Well, good morning. We're so glad you are here. I want to wish you a happy new year for those of you who have yet to see since the new year. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here. I want to welcome each and every one of you. We're glad you are here with us today. If you're a first-time guest, we want to extend a special welcome to you. We'd love to connect with you. And one, one of the easiest ways to do that is to fill out a connection card. You can find those online through our website or the app or in person here today. And then we have a gift bag for you on your way out as well. And then I wanted to mention to you, someone let me know that there was a silver van out in our parking lot and the side door is wide open. And I don't think that's by purpose or design. So if you have a silver van and your side door is open, just wanted to let you know that because we're here looking out for one another. So just wanted to make sure you were aware of that. But again, we're glad each and every one of you is here with us as we are continuing our teaching series that we kicked off last week called I Am. I Am. It really is a journey with Jesus about hearing what he said about himself as he gave these self-declaration statements identifying who he was and what he was about. And last week we kicked it off and gave an overview. So if you missed last Sunday, I want to invite you to go back and, and listen. But throughout these next couple of weeks, we're going to go through each of these statements. And so as we begin our time together, I want to ask you this question, and it's this. What's your favorite food to feast on? What's your favorite fee- food to feast on? And we've just had a couple of feasts. We've had Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. So we've had a couple of feasts. So what are some of your favorite foods to feast on? Go. Uh, I can't say that, but I think that's good. What, what are we, who else said something over here? Tacos. What's that? Lasagna. Fried chicken, my man. All right, what else we got over here? Cheesecake. Ice cream. Mm, mm. Thai food, so good. I like all of them. I thought Jack would say pork and sauerkraut, right? As a true, true, true Dutchman. No sauerkraut. All right, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. All right, so as we think about this, there's all kinds of foods that we enjoy feasting on. We enjoy feasting on. There's all kinds of things that as we look at what it is that we eat, we say, man, as I, if I could design the perfect day of feasting, this is the kind of food that I would partake of. And, and, you know, in our own lives, not only is that true when it comes to the food that we eat to f- nourish our bodies, but it's also true when it comes to nourishing our person, that there are foods that we choose to hold on to. There's ways in which we nourish our lives and we fill our lives with certain things, whether it's people's opinions of us, whether it's the way in which we go and pursue other things and avenues in our lives to fill our lives and to satisfy our lives and to to make sense of the things within who we are and what we were created for. And so as we think about that idea of feasting, I want to give us this thought today, and it's this, that Jesus wants to awaken us to the more we are created for. Jesus wants to awaken us to the more that we are created for. Just turn to your neighbor and tell them that. Go ahead, tell them. Jesus wants to awaken us to the more we are created for. And as we think about these statements that we're going to hear from Jesus, and today specifically the statement that he gives, we're going to see that. We're going to see this idea of the more that we were created for. So here's a question for us 
as we think about that. How do we feed on that which will truly fill us? You know, because there are such things of, of eating things that while they fill us, they don't truly nurture our bodies. In the same way, there are ways that we can feed on things that for a moment, they, they satisfy an appetite. But they don't have lasting satisfaction. They don't fill the deeper hungers and longings that we have. And as we think about who Jesus is and what he's come to give us, he wants to meet the whole person of who we are. He wants to fill us because, again, we've been created on purpose and for a purpose. And as we begin to look at some of the statements that Jesus said, and specifically the statement that we're going to find today in John 6, I, I want to give you a little bit of the backdrop here before we hear what Jesus says. Because in John 6, and this week I want to encourage you to read all of John 6 on your own, but in it, what you find is that Jesus has just completed a miracle. And it's the miracle of feeding 5,000 people. He fed a lot of people. And the people are amazed. They're like, wow, that was incredible. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And so there's this amazing miracle that takes place. And what Jesus does is not only stretches the faith of the disciples that are following him, but then he begins to show his power, his might, what he's able to do. Again, how he, he meets both the physical and the spiritual needs of people. And we start to see Jesus do this in John 6. And that leads us to where we find ourselves here in John 6, 25 through 26, because what people are doing is they're trying to find Jesus, and they want to make him king. They want to crown him king. And they have a way of viewing him that he himself isn't coming to be. They're thinking of it in an earthly terms. And so they're trying to, to find him, to crown him king, and to, to cause him or want him to rule in a way that the world would talk about power and authority. And Jesus goes away. It says he goes, and he's on the lake, and he gets to the other side of the lake. And this is where we find our passage opening up here in John 6, starting in verse 25. It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And at first you're like, wait a minute, isn't that the same thing? Right? Isn't that the same thing? You know, the, the idea that I did this sign for you that was feeding the 5,000 and then that I filled you as well with these fish and bread and I took care of you. But it was different for Jesus because Jesus is saying, you want me for what I can do for you. You don't want me for who I am and what I have for you. And so he's saying, you in your mind towards me and the way you view me, it's like you view me like a streaming service that we all are familiar with, right? And we all have our favorite one, right? Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, Disney. But you know on a streaming service, you don't have to watch all the content that's on the streaming service, right? You pick and choose. You've got a queue. You've got your, your watch list. You've got all these things. In the same way with Jesus, it's very tempting to do that with him as well. He's our on-demand Jesus, our on-demand Savior. Hey, what I want you to be, I will ask you to be, and I'll, what areas I'm comfortable with letting you in, I will let you in. But I don't want the whole of you 
in my life. I want only part of who you are, and I only want to give part of who I am to you. And this is what Jesus is getting at when he's talking to this audience here. And do we have an on-demand view of Jesus? Again, when it's convenient for us, when it fits our rhythms and our schedule, we give him access. We like this part, but not this part. We say, Jesus, you're, you're good, but I'm going to just keep you right here in this corner of my life. Again, this is what Jesus is getting at when he's talking to these people. And then he goes on to say this. It says, do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered. Let's read this out loud together on three. One, two, three. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so Jesus really makes it clear. Jesus says, hey, listen, there's such a way that you could work and be about the food that spoils. But really, I want you to be about the food that endures unto eternal life. And really, eternal life speaks of a way of life, of walking with God, of knowing the one true God, to experience his purposes and ways for us, to know the joy and the peace and the love and the grace and the truth that's found in him. And he makes it clear, he uses the word work, but really what he is getting at for them is saying, it comes by faith in me, to put your trust in who I am. The word believe is this idea of trusting to put your trust in me, to build your life on me, what I have done for you, who I am and what I've come to do and what I have accomplished for you. And so he's saying this to them because he wants them to understand that God wants to do a work in them. It's the grace that saves us, this unmerited favor by God. But it's also the grace that enables us to do the things that God has called us to do, to join God in our lives with him to the purposes in which we have been created for. And this is what Jesus is getting at, and this is what he's talking about. And so as we continue on here, we're going to see very clearly that Christ is calling you to come and eat with him. And will you come to the table that he has set? And this is what he's telling them. He's saying, listen, I have made a way for you to have the food that lasts, that doesn't just meet your physical need, but also meets your spiritual need that integrates your whole life around the things that you were created and designed for, the things that satisfy your life, the things that fill you. Because again, Jesus is for us, not against us. He knows the way life is intended to be in every aspect of our lives, whether that's our finances, our relationships, our vocations, the way that we view and treat the people around us the way that we care for the least, the lost, and the lonely. And so he's inviting each and every one of us to come. He's knocking at the door. And in one passage in Revelation, he says, hey, I knock at the door, and if you answer, I'll come in and dine with you. And this passage in Revelation speaks specifically to those who are already followers of Jesus. So it's one thing to first respond to Jesus, and we all should do that, and we're all invited to do that. But once we've responded to Jesus, are we regularly sitting with Jesus? Are we taking in who he is and what he has for us? 
because he has set the table and he longs to dine with you. And there's something about sitting and lingering at the table with others. You know, we think about feasting, right? There, there's something beautiful about having friends and family over at the table and just enjoying a long conversation with one another where you don't have to manufacture things to talk about, but they just happen because you want to be in the presence of one another. In the same way with Jesus, he longs for us to experience him in that way. I was at a rehearsal dinner on Friday, and as I'm at the rehearsal dinner, all this family and friends, I'm officiating this wedding, and as, as I'm there, I'm just watching how much they enjoy being together, the laughter, the memories, the cousins playing around, going crazy over here. What are they doing, though? They're lingering at this long table and enjoying one another. When's the last time you've lingered with Jesus? When's the last time you've walked with him? When's the last time you were aware of who he is and what he has for you? And you've just basked in his presence. Because he's always there. It's not a question if he's there. It's a question, are we available to who he is and what he has for us? Are we making ourselves available to him? Because he's always available. He's always there. He doesn't run out on us. He doesn't abandon us. He comes near to us. Do we draw near to him? And so as we think about that, that brings us to this part of it as well. That simply put, trust is the cost of coming to Christ. Trust is the cost of coming to Christ. So if you're here today, we're glad you're here, each and every one of you. But if you're here and you're, I'm not sure, and you're saying, I'm not sure what I think about Jesus. I'm skeptical about the ways of God and the things of God and the church. And I have trust issues because of some bad experiences with the church. Man, we're glad you're here. And you have questions and you're skeptical. Man, we are glad not only you're here, we welcome your questions and so does God. And maybe for you, it's not that you've been burned by the church per se. Maybe for you, you think that you know better than God does when it comes to your own life. And to trust Jesus is like, why would I do that? Why would I build my life on him? But I want you to know there's a way of life that he's inviting you to. And I, one of the scariest things that we'll ever do, but one of the most fulfilling things you'll ever do, is to trust in Jesus. And to daily say, Jesus, I trust you. And I'm allowing you to lead me. And I'm allowing you to have direction and show me the way that you have for me. To first put your faith in him as your savior, yes, but then to allow him to be the leader of your life. There's nothing more rewarding than doing that. But it's scary. And I don't want to be dishonest about that. It was scary when I did it. And as I've talked to others, it was scary when they've done it as well. But they don't regret it and neither do I. It's been rewarding. It's satisfying. Jesus has a way of life for each and every one of us that he's inviting us into. And recently, there's been so much made of a tragedy that happened on Monday night football. And I'm going to talk more about that in just a few minutes. But one of the things that's come out of that is people are being awakened to the, fr the fragility of life, to the fact that a star athlete who's in tip-top shape all of a sudden goes into cardiac arrest with a hit that's very normal when it comes to football terms. And even if you're not a sports fan, this illustration relates to all of us because I think it shows us the fact that in our lives, we think that we're invincible. And even those who look invincible, the celebrities, the, the, the star athletes, all these people, we see 
that they're not invincible, that life is fragile. And the, the psalmist tells us to, to number our days that we may gain a heart for wisdom. And as you're listening to people talk about this event, one of the commentators, a sports commentator named Nick Wright, Nick Wright was sharing on one of the sports shows. He says to one of the other sports commentators named Chris Broussard, he says, I wish I was religious like you. I wish I was religious like my wife. I wish I had a faith to stand on when tragedy like this happens. Because right now, I don't have an answer for what to do with what's going on and what I saw transpire at that football game. And Chris Broussard, I know his faith is very vibrant as a follower of Jesus. But all of us right now are in this moment, whether it's because of what we saw on Monday Night Football or just the reality of a new year where we start feeling and experiencing the fragility of life. But the cost of coming to Christ is trust. And Nick Wright, he's getting closer and closer, praise be to God, for him to have that awareness and to be awakened and to say, wait a minute, I wish I had. And I want to say to him and I want to say to you, if you say, man, I wish I had, I want you to know today could be the day that that wish can come true. Because it's just simply saying yes to Jesus, to what he's done, who he is, and what he has for you. And so I want to invite you to consider, if you have yet to become a follower of Jesus, to begin that today. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus, we continue in this passage to ask the question, where is Jesus asking me to deepen my trust and dependence on him? Because he's always wanting to do that for each and every one of us, including me, Pastor Joe Velarde. He's always inviting me to go deeper with him. Because it's in that place that I find the life that I was designed and created for. It's where I find true satisfaction and significance. Well, it continues on here in John 6. It says, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And so they're saying, hey, that miracle that you did, feeding the 5,000, that's good. We need more signs. I mean, just think about this. This is kind of crazy. But how much in our own lives are we like them? Are we like them? God has shown up again and again and again. And we're like, ah, you know what? I still, I need more. I need more. I need more. I need to see more signs of your goodness and of your kindness and of your truth and of your grace. And they're asking for this. And they're, they're going back to this Old Testament reality that happened when Moses was leading the people in the wilderness and God provided for them as they were wandering in the wilderness, this manna from heaven. And so they're asking for more signs. Show us more, show us more, show us more. And then it goes on to say this, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And this is what they said to that. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And so he's pointing out a, a point of truth for them. He's saying, hey, you think it was Moses that gave you the bread. I just want to clarify. It wasn't Moses. <laughs> it was God. It was God who gave you this bread. It was God who took care of your ancestors. In the same way, he says, you know, the bread of God that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
There's this bread that's come down from heaven, and he's come to give life to the world. And he goes on to say this as they've been thinking about that and hearing him, and then they're asking, give us this bread. Give us this bread. And I want us to read this together, verse 35 here, on 3, 1, 2, 3. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so Jesus makes it very clear. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And so Jesus declaring that he's the bread of life is to say, whoever comes to me, whoever puts their trust in me, whoever walks in the ways that I have for them will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me, in other words, puts their trust in me, will never be thirsty. And he's using these physical appetites to talk about a spiritual reality. And again, it's important that we don't miss, Jesus cares about all of our lives and every aspect of it, and he wants to to meet our needs. But for them, they were just thinking about the physical. And he's saying, no, I have a way of life for you. There's more to life than just your appetites. And we hear Jesus, even when he was tempted in the wilderness and he was fasting, he says very clearly, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so when Jesus makes this statement about himself, and he's declaring who he is. He's clearly telling them, hey, God has come down to you because you could not come up to God. You could not work your way to God. You could not have enough good on your resume. You could not somehow uh, equal out the scales of the bad and the wrong that you've done. You can't make your life built the way it was intended and created to be apart from what I would do for you. So he came down. He pursued a prodigal people. He pursued you. He pursued me. And he's made a way. He's made a way. But Jesus says very clearly, but as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. He's like, I fed the 5,000. Now I'm bringing it to you. And yet you still don't believe. You still don't believe. You still don't have eyes to see what it is that I've come to do and who I am. Again, Jesus makes it clear, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. So as we continue on here, he goes on, and it goes on to talk about this and articulate what what he's getting at here. He says, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall not lose, I shall not lose none of, of all those he has given, but raise them up in the last day. And this is just reassuring. Everybody's invited, but not everybody's going to receive. And we need God to do a work in us to have eyes to see. But Jesus says, I won't lose any of those who put their trust in me. This brings us the assurance of knowing what it is that we've received in Christ. Again, it's not about our performance and our effort and our working, but rather our receiving and in responding, joining him to the way of life that he has for us and that there's this resurrection that's to come and that we live in light of that and that we join Jesus in bringing his kingdom ways to the earth, that we want the kingdom of heaven 
to take root and shape in us and then through us and around us. And that we're a preview of that coming day when it'll be fully and perfectly realized. And so as we think about this, I want us to continue on and, and think about what it is that we're hearing and, and, and to consider the following. What kind of food are you feeding your soul with? What kind of food are you feeding your soul with? What is it that you're feeding on? Are you feeding on social media? Are you feeding on comparison? Are you feeding on your opinion as ultimate authority? Are you feeding on the news cycle? Are you feeding on the latest trend, the latest fad? Are you feeding on what it is that somebody else has that you want to have until you go get that something? What is it that you're feeding on right now? What are you feeding your soul with right now? What are you giving attention to? What are you giving your affections to? What kind of food are you feeding your soul with? I want you to be thinking about that. Because again, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the one who wants to fill you. And so as we continue on here, it's just very clear that we don't want to miss this, that Jesus gives the food that satisfies our soul. Jesus gives the food that satisfies our soul. So it's in him, it's who he is and what he's come to do that brings this deep satisfaction to our souls. And so one of the things I want to encourage us to be doing throughout this year is even to be reading along in the Gospel of John, to be reading along, to, to make ourselves available to God, to say, I want you, Jesus, to have your will and your way in my life. I want to deepen my trust in you. I want to make sure I give attention and affection to you. And sometimes what that means is we need to purposely, purposely put away the computers that we have in our pockets called the smartphones, right? We need to just have time where we just turn it off and we pull away. And we purposely in our day have a time where we're not even looking at our devices. And I'll tell you, not only does that help you to encounter God, it helps you be focused on the people that are in front of you and the work and the task that God has called you to. As productive as a smartphone makes you, it's been proven it makes you just as unproductive because it focuses your attention. Is your attention divided by a device that is a good gift, but at times becomes the ultimate gift? Be thinking about that. How are you going to create rhythms in this new year so that you have space to encounter him? And then the, the next part of this, as we continue on, is as I mentioned to you, many of you have heard the story, but on Monday Night Football, DeMar Hamlin, this is who I was mentioning before, he was hit as he was playing uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals, Buffalo Bills, and as he was hit, he went into cardiac arrest. But in the midst of all that's happened with this event, man, there's so many people who have come, not only to the aid of him, but you start to see what happens when people are reminded of how fragile life is. And part of that fragileness is people acknowledging, I wish I had something to build my life on so that I can have an answer and a way in which I can have comfort in the time of chaos and tribulation and in troubles. But the other side of it is people rallying around together. And one of the ways that's happened is through prayer. And you started to see, as people were on the sidelines, the different teammates and the different people involved in this. They were rallying around 
Damar Hamlin praying for him. They were on the field. And you've seen that happen again and again leading up to the good news that we heard that now all of a sudden he's awake, he's breathing on his own, he's able to talk. But, man, it, it, it's really a kudos to all the Ia, the, all the, um, the workers who came to his help, who, provi- who, who did CPR on him right away. That was life-saving to him. But the other part of this is this prayer that you started to see unfold. And, again, I think there's this awareness of how fragile life is, and people are wanting something more. They're wanting something more. And then on ESPN, uh, Dan Orlowski on live TV started to pray on live TV. He said, is this okay? This may feel weird. This is odd. I don't know if this is the right thing. And his co-host was like, it is the right thing. On live TV, he prays. I've never seen anything like it. And he prays. And it's just this prayer for healing and comfort, this healing and this hope that's found in Jesus. And, and people, again, are like, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Again, there's an awakening happening because there's this more that we were created for. And not only did it happen in this way, but DeMar Hamlin is one of those guys who gives to the community. And in response to Jesus, he serves. And, and so his charity this GoFundMe page just blew up, and it went way past the, the giving goal of what it was initially at, you know, hundreds of thousands, and now all of a sudden it's at five million plus. People are saying, I want to respond. I want to give. And what does that tell us? It tells us what Ecclesiastes shares. It says that attorney is written in the hearts of humans. There's this desire for that which will last And when you start to see things be fragile and broken in the way they are. And the fact that life is so fragile, it opens you up to that which is eternal. And so you're starting to see that unfold right before our eyes. So again, so again, what are you feeding your soul with? What are you feeding your soul on? Are we awakening to all that Jesus has for us? Are we seeing him as the bread of life? And then as, as we wrap up this portion of it, I wanted just to read some of the things that Jesus would go on to say here. And it says this, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this the Jews there began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And what do you guys think grumbling sounds like? What do you think that sounds like? I was, just do your best grumbling voice for me. In my mind, I had my six-year-old just whining incessantly. You know, that's what I kind of had in my mind. But I just imagine Jesus, they're just grumbling after all he's done. You know, I can't believe you'd say he's the bread that came down from heaven. Because what he's saying isn't, hey, I'm just a snack to eat. (laughs) I'm not just about carb loading. He's saying, no, I'm God in flesh. I'm the promised one. And so at that, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right? And it goes on to say this. It says, they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say... 
I came down from heaven. And one of the things you don't want to miss, and it's so important, is that Jesus, oftentimes the people he's going to are people he grew up with, that knew his family. And a good depiction of that recently happened on The Chosen. So if you're not following The Chosen, it's an awesome, awesome show. If you want to get to know Jesus and his ways, I encourage you to watch it. It's free to watch. But on episode three of season three, he goes back to Nazareth. And I'm not even going to tell you all the things that go on there. But it's a beautiful depiction of what it had to be like when he shows back up in Nazareth and he starts reading from Luke chapter four and says, hey, this happens, this is happening in in your hearing, this fulfillment of this passage from Isaiah 61. But again, they're like, wait a minute, we know his mom and his dad. We know that his dad's a carpenter. We saw him working with him. Isn't this just Jesus? Again, this, this guy who's the son of Joseph. They couldn't see. Their eyes couldn't see. They weren't open to who he truly was. The grumbling. Continues. But then Jesus says this, and this is verse 47. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. And then he continues on, and he says this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And then he goes on to say this, Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. Again, more grumbling. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And then it continues on here. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And then he continues on. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the, li- as, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. And at first glance, you're like, man, is this like Twilight before Twilight? You know, if you're familiar with the movie, is this like Hunger Games? Is this like cannibalism? What's going on with Jesus? Jesus is just saying, he's using this as a picture. He's saying, hey, unless you receive what I've done, my body being broken for you and my blood being spilled for you, unless you receive who I am, you can't have life that knows no end, the life that starts today and the life that goes on forever. It's in me. Have you received me? Have you received who I am and what I've come to give you? And so as we continue on here, I just want to ask you, are you eating fake or real food? Are you eating fake or real food? Jesus makes it clear that he wants to give us the real stuff. And there is such thing as artificial food, right? Fake food. But I think also in life, there are things that look like the real thing that will truly satisfy and answer the deeper questions in our lives, but really come up empty again and again because they're, they're not holistically involving who we are and what we're created for and looking to the source of life. Jesus makes it clear that he's the source of life, that he's the light of life, 
that it's in him that we have life that knows no end. So are you eating fake or real food? And then the other part of this is Jesus is the real food and drink that fills us. Jesus is the real food and drink that fills us. He wants to fill you, satisfy those longings, those yearnings, those cravings. And instead of trying to feed them and starve them out with other things, what if we turn to him as those cravings emerge? What if we come to him as the source of the satisfaction and the significance that we so desire? What if we turn to him fully? And then the other part of this is the question for us to just wrestle with, will you feast upon Jesus? Will you feast upon him? Will you feast upon who he is, what he's come to do, the way of life that he has for you? Will you put your eyes on Jesus? One of the things I love about the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, he says, here's the thing that I do. I forget what's behind, and I press on to the mark, to the race that's ahead of me, my prize that's found in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean we need to ignore the past, but we need to put the past successes and failures in the proper perspective so that we can join Jesus to what he wants to do in our lives from the past and from this moment and the moments to come. Will you feast upon Jesus? And one of the practical ways that I want to help us to do that is the following. I want to invite you to do something with me. I want to invite you to join me for 21 days of fasting and prayer. And here's the thing that I I want to encourage us to think about. Oftentimes, the cravings that we have, we normally just satisfy and we quench them and specifically when it comes to food but fasting is one of those spiritual practices that Jesus himself modeled and we see this very clearly in Luke 4 he modeled as a way to deepen his dependence on his heavenly father and let the Holy Spirit lead his life and so I want to encourage you to think about maybe you want to fast a meal maybe you want to fast a day maybe you want to fast certain types of food in this season But not to just do it for the physical side of it, the physical benefit. You know, that you're going to get stronger and leaner and, you know, all those things. Those those things are important. But I'm talking about that you would use it as a time when you have that craving set in to pray and to cry out to God. To say, God, I, I need you and I want you. Because the work that he wants to do in us, the work that he wants to do in us, that breakthrough happens with a deeper dependence upon him. And fasting is one of the ways that we do that. And so I just want to invite you for 21 days, 21 days, to figure out what works for you. I'm not going to mandate by any means, (laughs) hey, this is what you should do. But maybe for you, it's going to be a meal. You say, hey, I'm going to fast one meal a day, and I'm going to use that as a time of prayer. Maybe for you, it's going to be a day that you're going to fast. Maybe you're going to fast in a whole different way. But whatever works in your life as you pray about it before the Lord, may we be a people who say, Jesus, I believe that you're the bread of life. And even as I'm fasting, I'm going to cry out when I have those yearnings and those cravings, Jesus, bread of life, fill me. Fill me. Because I have a, a hunger and a yearning. And may that hunger and that yearning remind us of our spiritual longing and satisfaction that's found in Christ. So I want you to consider doing that. And you can let me know that. Or you can let one of the other leaders here know that so we can pray with you and walk with you through it. But again, join me for these 21 days. And I can't wait to see what God does in the midst of our praying and fasting. Let's pray together. Father, right now we are grateful 
that you are, you are the one who knew us, knew us <laughs> before anybody else knew us. I'm reminded of Psalm 139, that you saw our unformed substance before you, that every day was written in your book, and, and how many your thoughts are of us. I pray that that psalm and that truth would cause us to see that when you sent your son Jesus, it's for us to fully step into our image bearing of God. The fact that we were created to not only be made in his image, but to then step in to the image that he designed each and every one of us for. And so, Lord, I pray for those here today who are saying, I'm hearing this and I for the first time, I'm understanding who Jesus is, and I want to put my trust in him. Lord, we celebrate them, and we want to just encourage them towards that. And we want to be a church that helps to even answer questions that people have as they're skeptical about who you are. And then for us who are familiar with this statement, I am the bread of life. I pray that even our being familiar with it wouldn't be something that we just know intellectually but then changes us from the inside out. I pray whatever you're calling us to in these deeper waters in this season, when it comes to fasting, I pray that we would say yes to you and that we would trust you and watch and wait for you to meet us in this season. Lord, we can't wait to see what you're going to do. We're so grateful, Jesus, that you truly are the bread of life. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.